this thing is about consistency. You know, I had a lieutenant and he'd always say, hey, you want to be in charge? And he said, well, step up to the mic, MF. Step up to the mic. And that's, you know, because the captain and the lieutenant have the mic, right? Yeah, you want to yeah. be the guy? You want to be yeah. the first? Step up to the mic. You want to yeah. sing? Step up to the mic. You want to dance? Put your tap shoes on. Let's see. Let's go. The First Responder Liaison Network is proud to present to you the Kitchen Table Podcast. Where our guests come share their stories, their perspectives, and their message, talking all things leadership. Now here's your host, Berlin Mazza. Good morning and welcome everybody to The Kitchen Table. The Kitchen Table is brought to you by the First Responder Liaison Network. The network is organized for the development, implementation, and ongoing support of mentorship and professional development programs inspiring our youth and young adults to mature into engaged civic leaders and resilient community sentinels. Music and graphics are brought to you by Kai Elephant Productions. Today on the kitchen table, as we close the year of 2023, we have yet another member of the Firefighter Inspiration, Readiness, and Education team on the show, Iman Usher, a kid raised in Northern California, where he attended public schools. Iman retired from Richmond Fire Department in 2020 as Deputy Fire Chief. Since retiring, Chief Usher works as a consultant, providing guidance on executive counseling, team building, mentorship, and executive leadership. Good morning, Chief. Good to see you again. How are you? I'm doing great, and it's great to see you too, Berlin. Thank you. Thanks so let's start with this. Yes, this is going to be good. But we got to start with this. So about uh, five days ago, 3-0, the Raiders lost. And uh, <laughs> five, four days later, they win by like 64 points or something like that. So tell us about that. Uh, that sounds like the coach got in some tailbones and, uh, <laughs> or, or, or Mr. Davis came in and said, I'll fire you all again. Yes. Yes. I'll do it again. I'm crazy. I'm crazy like that. Yes. That could have happened. Uh, I can only tell you that I was, uh, I wasn't watching the game. I was, uh, I was enjoying some libations in the city. There was no TV in there. And I just kept checking the score. I couldn't believe they were up 28, zero, uh in the second quarter so yeah that was, i just kept enjoying yeah. my libation yes and that's uh let me that, just say this here's a cool thing about being a raiders fan okay go for it unlike a 49er fan we can't be comfortable unfortunately with a 28-0 lead <laughs> <laughs> that's yes that's uh that that is true that is, so We're until two minutes to yes. two minutes in the fourth quarter <laughs> so what you're saying is you were still nervous with the two-minute warning yesterday I was concerned. Yes. Sir. <laughs> okay, that's that's concerning. That's concerning. But with the Raiders going yeah. to uh, Las Vegas, and you obviously growing up in in the northern part of the uh, California, still a Raiders fan. And uh, how, how does that dynamic oh, work? Uh, yeah. Listen, uh, I'm loyal to the team. The team isn't necessarily loyal to us all the time. <laughs> True. Can imagine. I could not imagine ever being uh, a fan of another NFL team. Period, there you go. Ever. There you go. Love it. And I'm, to all the 49er fans out there, I will never be a 49er. <laughs> there you go. No, loyal, loyal to the one. Yes, you can't just change because something is hot. But I do love a lot of players on the 49ers. They, yes. they play very well. They have a good team. They do. Because I love basketball equally as much as the NFL. Golden State Warriors, yes. are you a Warriors fan? I think somebody on that team has CTE. I'm just wondering. Yes. And that's yes. unfortunate. Yes, it's I know. It's possible. 
this last we few days. We might find out later that there's something going on. I hope that he gets better. Yes. Because uh, we need him. Yes. I'm a Golden State Warriors fan. I've been a fan for several years. Okay. I actually ran into a gentleman yesterday, 83-year-old man who's been a, 40, who's been a uh, excuse me, a, a Warriors fan <laughs> since the 70s, and he told me why they're called the Golden State Warriors. Oh, well, for sure. Twitter, the owner, when he bought the team for $3 million in 1962, uh, there, there was a team, there was San, San Diego Rockets left and went to Houston. And so he called it the Golden State Warriors because he was trying to claim the whole state, expecting that he would be able to play in San Diego and oh. claim that space. But they never played in San Diego. Interesting. Oh, wow. That, that is wild. Never knew that. that. Yesterday, looked out on the out on the coast. Wow. Enjoying a glass of wine. Yes. Yeah. All right. So, uh, you know, before uh, we get started, um, do you mind sharing a little bit about Iman Usher? Right. Maybe, you know, your upbringing, family, hobbies. Your your you know your journey in the fire service, but retirement now. Maybe just a little bit before we just dive in. Okay, very good. So I've always wanted to be a firefighter ever since I was a kid. Always, always. Uh, they tried to convince me to be, become a lawyer and a doctor, and so I became a paramedic and a union representative. So that was as close as I got to those two things. Um, I used to visit the firehouses as a kid. Um, I started very early in the fire service. I was in a, a regional occupation program in high school that brought us in and introduced us to the fire department. And I got hired very young at 18. Two weeks later, I turned 19. I served 10 years in Sacramento, 17 years in Oakland, resigned out of Oakland to become a deputy chief in Richmond and retired out of Richmond. Uh, what I do for my hobbies, I like to fish with my nephews. I, I do a little hiking now since I got a lot of free time. I wish I had done that. When I was on the job, I like to travel, I do a little gardening, and uh, I really like to hang out with chill people because I'm a chill person. And like my model for me today in my life is peace, beauty, and fun. If the fun and the peace stop, I leave. Beauty is mm. subjective. Yeah. So, but I those are the three things I will leave. It. So, if any time during this podcast, bro, oh, oh my God, becomes formal peaceful. I'll check out on you. Oh my gosh. All right. I've, uh, wow. Now you got that's me sweating. My mental, that's my mental health. Yes, that's I, my, that's I love my it. own mental health. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Accountability. Yes. So uh, thank you for that. And uh, I assume you're saying I'm a semi chill person. I, I don't know. I, I, I sent something there. No? You're pretty, you're pretty chill. I picked up on you real quick when we met the first time. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing, Chief. And uh, thank you for being here on the show. So, you know, you and I met, you know, we worked together a little bit. And uh, first of all, thank you for what you do and what you continue to do. Obviously, in the fire service, what you've done in your career, but also as consulting, you continue to help people progress in their careers. You give coaching, guidance, counseling, mentorship, all the above. Um, so thank you for what you've done for me, but thank you for what you continue to do to our upcoming emerging leaders in the fire service. So we've had a lot of honest conversations, you know, in the few times we've we've taught, talked, yes. And uh, when, we first, when we first met you, you, you challenged me. You said, what does your oath mean? That was like, we were, we, yeah. were, we were talking for like 30 seconds. I'm like, whoa, geez, chief, can we ice break this a little bit? Like, uh, you know, my name is Berlin Mazza, you know, from the Pacific North. You said, <laughs> you said, uh, what does your, and like, oh my gosh, give me a second here. Right. And so, but I loved it because you, I, 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 I sense your style is, is direct. It's honest, but it challenges. And it, it, I, it what I would assume it brings the best out of your people. So I'm going to assume that. And I apologize if that's the wrong assumption, but um, it was good. So 
can you talk a little bit about that? Like, why is it that you start off with tell me about your oath and you're just, you, you just, you just, you, you, you grind it. You're like, tell me more, tell me more. Oh man, I'm getting chills right now. Um, I'm getting chills because I take my, I took my oath seriously. And I think that uh, anyone who takes an oath, a solemn oath, a promise to the community that has chosen him to serve them in the capacity that we do, this is a extremely awesome career. It's a noble calling. And I think that when you raise your hand and promise that you'll respond, no matter what's going on in the community, I think that's an awesome thing. And what I, you know, a lot of people told me different things of what the oath means. Some people get stuck. A lot of people, they take the oath, but no one ever explains to them what it means. So I started as a volunteer and I had a pager, but I also know that the fire service started as volunteers. And this is about the most American occupation period. What, what the fire service is in America, what we've done in this country can't be touched anywhere else. And so when you take, I, I get really emotional about this because when you take your oath and you promise that no matter what I'm doing, painting my house, working in my yard with my family, when I hear that siren, when the pager goes off, when the tones go off in the station, I will quickly respond to you. I will, I will see what's going on. I'll assess the situation. I will render care or aid or fix whatever the problem is. And then if I'm lucky, if it's a medical call, I might actually find out that the work that I did for you actually benefited you and your family. Who gets to do that? Who gets, right. How many people do you let in your home? Right. Just let walk in your home. Zero. So right? the idea yeah. that people trust us to come into their homes, to give them care, to uh, change a situation that's horrible, horribly wrong, like a fire or any a flooding or whatever it might be, I think we should take our oath seriously. So when we work many days on the job and we're complaining because we haven't been with our families or what have you, you know, one of the things I used to tell my firefighters is, you know, hey, there's days that I don't want to be here also. But what I think about is all those young men and women all over the world on post, on their military posts, with bombs and bullets zipping by them, keeping us safe. So you should be able to do three or four days in the job and do it well, serve well, and then go home and love your families. And hopefully when you get there, you'll be gentle to them. Yeah. So Chief, not everybody has that, that that we'll just say that that same thought process, we'll say, not, or passion, if you will. Right. Like, yes, yeah, so firefighters, yeah. we're all here to serve, right? I, I, I 100% of us are here for the right reasons and to serve. Um, but not all of us will have that exact same passion that you just talked about in terms of, you know, we will, you know, that I will be there no matter what. I'm a volunteer when there's, when that siren drives, you know, I 100%, but uh, you've kept it, right? I, I assume that from day one, you said you always wanted to be a firefighter up until you were the deputy oh. fire chief. You instilled Absolutely. that kind of passion into your firefighters. I mean, how do you keep that drive? I love the fire service and I love what it's done for me and my family and what it's allowed me to do for other people's families. I'm able to I'm able to support kids and send them to uh, sports uh, schools and during the summer so that they're better athletes. So they work with teams. So they meet different people from different backgrounds based on the fact that I was in this on this job. I've been able to help uh, send members of my family to different um, programs to help them. Been able to take my mother to South Africa before she passed, not while she was sick, of course, together. So I'm very grateful what this job has done for my family. We grew up uh, poor. A lot of people grow up poor. This job has changed my life, changed my family's life. And so when I hire people, 
or when I'm looking for someone that to hire, I'm looking for people uh, who are scrappy and it doesn't matter where they come from or who they are. I'm looking for people that are looking for a shot. I'm looking for people that are going to someone's home and not judge them because of how they live or the fact that you had to step over a few people in the living room to get to, you know, mama and papa in the back. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm looking for those people. I'm looking for people who are there to serve. And maybe a kid in that house that sees the firefighters come through and treat them well might say, hmm, I think I want to be that one day. They treated us so well. And they even came back later and provided support because they saw that we were struggling. That's Why true. not? So I, I, yeah. let's, lean, let's lean on that a little bit. So you say when you look to hire, you hire the people that are scrappy or that. How do you how do you find that? Right. Oh, like, I uh, ask very pointed questions in interviews. Oh, for example, <laughs> what? Well, for example, what? I'm curious. Well, uh, well, I'll, t- I'll ask them straight up. Why us? He said, this is the only fire department I want to work for. I want to work for this department. I've always wanted to work for this department. And I'll just stop him. Are you uh, applying anywhere else? Right, exactly. That's well, a generic you- answer, right? I mean, of course I want to yeah, work for Are you applying anywhere else? Well, well, yes, I am. Okay, so why us then? Yeah. Because you said us. I know you're applying elsewhere and you're going to tell them the same thing, but why <laughs> here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's people in their tracks yeah. sometimes yeah. because in essence, they're just talking. Yes. This is bullshit. Yes. You cannot bullshit yeah. a bullshit. Because yeah. I grew up with a lot of bullshitters. <laughs> so I, 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 no, I love this, right? Because uh, I, I, I sit in um, some of the, 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 the hiring process changes, if you will, in, in my organization. We talk about this stuff. We talk about implicit bias. We talk about, you know, uh, the questions that we ask and the people that we're looking for yeah. to diversify and to grow and to uh, change and to improve and progress our fire department. But my point is this, is... I actually don't like that question. If I if I if I'm honest, I just I just an honest conversation. I actually don't like the question of why do you want to work for our fire department. Here's why: because two things. Right. Number one, a bullshit is a is, is a bullshit, right? Like I want to work here because X Y Z. Like we know, as you know, uh, a lot, uh, most applicants are looking for a fire service job. Right? They're not just oh I got to I got to work for one. They hope maybe to work for one, but if they get the job next door and it offers it six months sooner, they'll probably take it. But my point sure. is this is. It, it, a strong organization. I want your thoughts on this. A strong organization uh, with a great culture, with great people, um, that's progressive, all the above, that's diverse, that's inclusive, all that. Aren't they so strong? And what makes them great is the people that end up working there end up, they grow to love that organization to where it's like, you know what? I'm actually glad I did pick here. This actually wasn't my number one. This was my number 46. But now I would I don't see myself anywhere else. You know, 46, 26, you know what I mean? Like yes, a, a strong organization are like, wow. I'm actually glad I'm here and not there, even though this wasn't my number one. So what are your thoughts on that when it comes to the question, like, why us? Like, why this department? Well, you know, know what? This is interesting. So, um, First of all, a lot of people during interviews will tell you without questioning them. You said you didn't like that question. Sometimes they just tell you, this is the fire department I want to work for. They just come out with this stuff. Yes. Why do you want to be a fire department? I always want to work for this fire department. And that's when I come back. Well, I call it, I call it peeling back the onion. Mm-hmm. I just pull back a little piece of the onion. I want to see if it's soft. I want to see if there's some mold. I want to see if you're going to tell me the truth. Uh-huh. And if you tell me the truth, I'll probably still roll with you because I get it, right? Yeah. But here's the thing. I think it's very important for people to understand that your values must match the organization mm-hmm. that you wish to work for. And yeah. sometimes you don't know that your values align or misalign until you get there. And this yeah. is for entry-level firefighters, and especially for chief officers who leave an organization to go work for another organization that they didn't grow up in. 
Yep. And you can come in there with a great vision and ideas and hopefulness and find out that you're working with flat earthers. And that's tough. So it's very important to, to really investigate and figure out how they are. So if you do a station visit and you run into a crew that treats you poorly, you've brought them donuts and, and uh, hot dogs, uh, not hot dogs, ice cream and all that stuff. And well, maybe a hot dog, I don't know. But, and they treat you poorly and you leave there without a positive feeling about the organization, that's probably not the organization for you. Because mm -hmm. I guarantee if they treat you poorly as a guest, then they're really going to give it to you when you show up on, as a probationary firefighter. And it may be rough your entire career. Yeah. And I don't know if you've been paying attention, but there's a lot of young firefighters that have chosen the fire service that are resigning left and right for different yep. reasons. Absolutely. Yep. Now, that could be because, like you said, it's not a strong organization. They're not supporting the people. It could be a, a hostile work environment throughout. But it also could be that there are some people applying for this job that simply don't have the metal the M-E-T-T-L-E, to be a firefighter. You gotta have spine to be a firefighter. You gotta be tough sometimes. You gotta be, you gotta be gentle also. Yeah. But you gotta be able to take the shot if you're gonna give the shot. You're gonna see yeah. a lot of things out there. And you better make sure that you got some steel in you so that you can do this job and also yeah. work when it's tough, tough, tough. Yeah, no, absolutely. You've worked for many fire departments. Yes, Richmond being the uh, your latest fire department, yes? Yes, sir. Big organization? That big uh, seven stations, two truck companies, uh, hazmat team, water rescue. Uh, they got grit. Richmond's got grit. Got I, grit. I, I, I would roll with them. I, I, I'm serious. I would roll with Richmond, California Fire Department. They got grit. They're, yeah. They very talented group of people. Yeah. Diverse fire department. Yes. How so? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, here's the deal. I, I, I do. I'm glad. Yeah, it's a diverse fire department. But um, I, I, yes, it's a diverse fire department, a diverse community. I don't want to knock anybody, but there were a couple incidents that took place. Well, when we got there, we were hearing from people um, that they didn't want to be supportive of the community. They don't want to go to Cinco de Mayo. They don't want to go to this event because you know whatever. They want to go to Juneteenth. They want. And I'm like, I don't. I didn't get that. And so what I discovered is, well, here's the deal. Uh, I looked at the census for the city and the uh, unincorporated areas that we responded to, and I figured out what the uh, what the breakdown was of each demographic in the city. And I said, well, guess what? If you guys aren't going to, if you guys don't, if some of you don't want to go and support the community, then I'm going to hire people who will. Hmm. So I look for people who spoke Spanish. I look for people who grew up poor. I look for people who wouldn't judge the community. And I hired them and they're doing very well. Wow. I just, and like I told them, I said, I want, I'm, I'm looking at you. I've, I've offered, I'm, we're sitting here in this chief's interview because we want to see if you match up. If, if, you can, if I can hire you for 30 years and you won't be a problem to this community, that you won't embarrass the department, you won't embarrass the city, you won't yeah. embarrass your family. That's why I'm hiring. Yeah. I think sometimes we're looking for people, looking at people that way. I want to be able to hire somebody, or at least I wanted to hire somebody that would not be a problem. Because what I discovered about people who cause problems on the job, at least is this is my unscientific 
realization. I, I figured that if you were a bully in uh, kindergarten, you're a bully now. And if you were talkative in kindergarten and the teacher had to say to the bluebird table and the jerbird, hey, jaybird table, shh. That's you true. Keep talking, you're talkative now. You gossiped as a young person and caused drama. You caused drama now. Yeah, if yeah. you're a love bug, if you're a love bug in kindergarten and always <laughs> holding somebody's hand, you're a love bug today. <laughs> the reason why I say about the bullies or the people who cause problems all the time, because if you're apologizing for your behavior in the academy continuously, you'll be apologizing for your behavior throughout. And I've seen people do that. They're always caught up in a grievance, they're always in a situation with another person. Why would you want to hire them? Let someone else hire them. I had a guy that uh, I went to the recruit academy and told him my expectations, which are very simple. Make good decisions, work hard, serve well, take care of each other so we can all go home. And then I would say, I want you to honor yourself, the community you serve, the department and its members. But if you cannot do that, you're gonna meet the blade. And the blade is me. The blade doesn't lose speed when it cuts, it never gets dull. If you get nicked by the blade, that's a reminder to get back on track. But if I, or the chief or anyone else have to protect the nobility of the service, the fire service, then we'll use our administrative options to remove them. And I meant it. Mm -hmm. So I had a recruit guy that came in, they had an assignment, a writing assignment to just write about the American flag. What did it mean? What does it mean, right? He plagiarizes it. Mm. And so team brings me in, I, they, <laughs> I read it and pull it up on the internet and it's word for word call the chief. I said, chief, we got a little situation. I told these guys if they lied, th they wouldn't be here. This guy clearly lied. And he said, okay, let me call HR. I'll call you back. I pulled the guy in and uh, I let him go. Basically gave him the option to resign. But I told him this, I don't want to kill your career, whatever you might do, but your values don't match the values that I'm looking for in this department. Because if you're going to lie now, as a recruit, you're going to be a mess later. Yeah, You're going to lie on a PCR one day. You're going to cause this community to lose a lot of money because you want to lie. So I let them go. And, I'm, and I, I mean that. I think people should get rid of people in the academy when they show their ass. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk, let's talk about the academy. I spent time at the academy, uh, some yep. this year, some in previous years. And something that we talked about is and let's just be quite honest, right? Some recruits will require additional support, right? That's just, it is what yes, it sir. is. Yes. It, it, and that's okay, right? That That's okay. So let, let's unpack yes. that a little bit. What do you, from a chief standpoint, okay. from you, some recruits will, like you said, back to the hiring process. They went through a rigorous process that you, the deputy fire chief, as well as everyone else that was on the hiring panel and along the way felt like this individual, uh, whether it be, you know, answer the questions appropriately, or we saw that the core values matched both personally and with the organizations, whatever it may be. Now they're in the academy. Some will be rock stars from the from the beginning, and some will just need additional support. Doesn't mean one's going to be a better firefighter over 30 years versus the other, right? That's not the tell. But some recruits will require or want, we'll say, additional training or additional support. Just talk about that a little bit. Okay. So um, most academies invite the families 
before the academy starts, right? They yes. tell you we're a family, we're a fire family. We're, you, we're gonna need you to support this recruit as they're going through, it's gonna be very hard, blah, 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 right? We say all these things and we mean it. We say family is important. And so we're training these people and we realize we have some folks in there that need a little additional training. And I remember I was a recruit and so this was done to me. And so anything that was done to me that I didn't like as a recruit, once I got in a position where I could change it, I'm gonna change it. Mm -hmm. And so the reason why I say is, so this is what would happen. So, okay, well, a few of you need to uh, need some uh, additional training. So uh, we're gonna show up on Saturday. Those people who need to come in show up on Saturday. And I'm not saying that all of you need to come, but um, yeah, right. But that was, so, yeah, um, we all knew what that meant. So, the, so yeah, we all know what that means. So the class leader huddles up with the team and tells everybody, okay, well, we're all going to show up on Saturday so we can support the people who are going in. So when everyone shows up, you basically got the whole team there. And so the people who need that additional training are still not getting that one-on-one training that they yes. need. Yes. And so when I was a training officer at the academy, the one time that I did it, uh, I wasn't the academy director, but I I, I uh, shared my thoughts about that. And I said, I, I don't want everyone to come in. Why? First, they're there all week. They're stressed out all week. They really don't have time to spend with their families all week because they're studying. They're polishing their tools, they're polishing their boots, they're getting everything ready and they're getting in groups. Oh, they're spending all this time to, to pass the test. And then we force everyone to come in on Saturday. So they don't even get to spend any time with their families. And the people that needed the help don't get the, they don't get the coaching that they need. Yes. So when we did, when we did it and we brought in three or four people, we gave them the coaching that we needed, they never came back. They never had to return. Because why? Because we gave them the coaching. They okay. We found out what the issues were. We worked on their fundamentals. Yes. And they were able to move forward in the class without yes. having to have the time. Because that but, close one-on-one -on -one helped tremendously. Correct. Yeah. But I worked every, my, me and my classmates worked every Saturday because somebody needed additional help. Yeah. And we weren't paid for it. I, I, so, can, I lead, can I lead on that? I love this. This is uh, this is hitting home, and there's a philosophy out there, and I don't even know honestly it's philosophy that the recruit academy is the recruit academy. If you're not making it, you're not making it, and you don't belong. Meaning, right. the additional support means you're not good enough, quote unquote. My philosophy, mine is just mine personally, is is additional support is okay, right? Like, so for example, let's say aspiring company officer, for example, right? If I am aspiring to be an officer, right? And I am not, you know, catching, you know, I'm not learning tactics as, as, as fast as some others or there's some drills or some, you know, some, some things along the way that I'm, I just need extra help. I need extra mentorship. I need extra time, if you will. No, no one tells me you're going to be, you're, you're not good enough to be a company officer. What you do is you get extra mentorship and you get extra time and you go. In the recruit academy, if we don't necessarily apply that same theory, it's we don't say you need extra help. Let's get you that extra time and effort. It's well, you're just not good enough, so you don't belong here. So I guess my point is, you adopted the philosophy. I, I'm assuming, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, in your organization that you had recruits that maybe required a little bit more time. Was it okay for them yeah. to come in and receive that before you said, you know what? No, the times what you got, 
you don't got it, you don't belong here. So tell me about that dynamic. Well, it all depends on if they're in the union, right? Some people come in and they're in the union right away. You know, I believe that chiefs and cities that make agreements with unions should follow the union, yes. follow the contract. But I also think that the members also should follow the rules. So it goes both ways. Of course, ways. of course. Um, so I, I think, listen, if we're telling you that we're a family, if we're telling you that we're going to support you, then we should support you. Mm. But if you can't tie a knot after eight weeks, oh, of course, yeah, the family of eight, you know, you just can't get it. You don't know the difference between static and dynamic criminal, you know, just whatever, whatever it is, we taught yeah. you. Yeah, you don't know what the Higby cut is on on, on the whole puppy. You know? <laughs> this is basic stuff. Love if, it. If we run the if we run the fire triangle by you and you can't figure out what the third one is, whatever the third one is, <laughs> or the fire touch of heat, you know, I can't help you at that point. You know, it's yeah. like, look, I, I I've I put it up in graphs. I've I've stenciled it for you. I've got construction paper from the Michael's Art Store. And you don't get it. You're not meant for this, man, because yeah. there's there's that balance, right? I mean, if you say we're going to be a family, we're going to be a family that stand behind our words yeah. and support them any the way we, any way that we can. It's not as black and white as we um, sometimes promote, if you will, or do. So I, I have a question yeah. for you, Chief. Um, training officers, we'll say uh, what what yeah. uh, we I'm, I'm assuming you were big in teaching. Yeah, teaching, teaching classes, instructing, mentoring. Were you a training officer? You said you were a training officer. I was never. I was never official state instructor. I taught in the class. I taught okay. in a department. Yeah, you know, things like that. I do more I've, teaching now than I. Have I have a question. Before. What qualifies an individual to instruct in the fire service? There's a reason I say that. Should well, I? Should yeah. I okay. This found. So, so, so the expansion on that is. Sometimes we're put into roles, and myself included, are put into a role to teach something. We'll say, right? But other than yes. having, other than having knowledge, book knowledge, or even experience, what qualifies me to adequately present information to other people so they can grasp information and become experts themselves? Does that make sense? Well, that question. Hope, is that... Yeah. Well, first of all, let's hope that the instructor is competent. Well, of course, that's number one. That is number one. You have to have the knowledge. Well, yeah, okay. Someone can have a whole bunch of years in the, on the job and still be a dumb dumb. Okay, that's a good point. Good point. Yes. That's insensitive for me to say a dumb dumb, but they can yeah. still be just yeah. absolutely worthless to you, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. You. I've been here for twenty five years and I submitted my application and they didn't pick me. Right. 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 Okay. Well, Iman, we've been watching you for twenty five years and. You were? You were watching me? <laughs> I don't know what to say, man. You you only come to work and go home. I've never seen you really teach anybody on the on the apparatus floor. I've never seen you pull any equipment out. And now you want to go down to the drill tower and teach. I think you're, this is what I think. I think um I think you have to be patient when you're an instructor. You have to be willing. And I also think that, you know, so there this gentleman that I met yesterday. Mm-hmm said to me, you know, there's a reason why superstar athletes aren't good coaches. Mm, yeah, talk about that. Yeah, right. And uh, it might be the case for people who are superstar firefighters. You know, if it comes easy to you, you might not be patient enough. Mm. You might, you don't, it just comes, I'm an athlete. I just flow like this. I just do this, right? Yeah. But someone who doesn't flow like an athlete, they have to be taught 
are fundamentals. The fundamentals is what gets them in the game, right? Mm. You you've watched teams that are talented, and you yes. watch them go against a team with fundamentals, and that team with fundamentals will beat them. Yes, absolutely. Right? Every they sport stick to their fundamentals, right? Yep. San Diego, it's not San Diego, San Antonio Spurs. Yes. Not a flashy team when they yeah. were winning, right? Not, at not all. flashy at all, but killing you, right? You know, killing you on the court, right? Fundamentals. Yeah. So I, I sometimes the people who had some struggle, I have to learn step by step. Some people and some people who are got the flow and have that athletic prowess and can they can teach. Some can teach, some cannot. Yeah. But if yeah. it comes easy to you, do you think Barry Bonds could be a manager? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe hitting coach. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. No, but I mean, did I make that? But Can I make my point? Yes, know. you know, and I love the parable because we, we talk about sports, but you make a great parable. It's, it's the reason why, you know, Michael Jordan wasn't, you know, uh, uh, the, the head coach of the Bulls when he retired, right? It's, and now we found out why. When yes. We special. Yes, right? exactly. Yes. Or, or, yes, right? Yeah, he was yeah. killing those guys. Yeah. He was pushing them. And we yes. didn't know that he was yes. killing them. He was killing his members. I shouldn't say yeah. kill them, but he was tough on them, right? Yeah, yes. You he know, was, and was. at the end of the show, which I thought was awesome. Yeah, it was he, You know, he got a little bluff and said, well, screw you if you don't yeah. want to win. And yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I feel like that. Yeah. Screw you yeah. if you don't want to yeah. win. Absolutely. He doesn't want to win. Right. Son of a gun. You know what I mean? <laughs> I do. Bryant. Yes. Kobe Bryant. He had that too. He did, and he didn't get along with some of his players, right? Yep. yep. He talked about Dwight Howard when Dwight he realized Dwight Howard had a different set of values when it yes. came to the game. He said, "Well, I can't work with him." Yeah. And then we find out later what Kobe was about and what yes. preparation he took. You know, Absolutely. the great, the greats were really involved in their in their art, and I think great firefighters are also involved in their art. What you're saying here is uh that and i hate using the word best right what what does best mean he's the best firefighter she's the best firefighter like what what does best mean right that's the, there's no there's no more arbitrary or more subjective I don't, I don't have a problem with that word at all you know okay okay but what does best mean what's best mean what's best mean exceptional exceptional at what at, at what at what hey let me tell you this thing is about consistency you know i had a lieutenant and he'd always say hey you want to be in charge and you say, well, step up to the mic, MF. Step up to the mic. And that's, you know, because the captain and the lieutenant have the mic, right? Yeah, you want to yeah. be the guy? You want to be yeah. the first? Step up to the mic. You want to yeah. sing? Step up to the mic. You want to dance? Put your tap shoes on. Let's see. Let's go. Yeah. I, except, what's wrong with exceptional? No, Michael no. Was exce- no, no, no. Exceptional. I love it. I love exceptional. Exceptional is great. Exceptional is great. With best. <laughs> best, we, best. We have to define it. We have to define it a little better, right? We, Our we country need... is exceptional. People it don't is. like that. It is. No, I, no. They... I, I don't, I've visited a lot of countries, my friend. <laughs> I love exceptional. I, when we touch, listen, when we touch down back in America, I'm a happy man. <laughs> yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So let's go back to the, 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 the training officer thing. So we'll say that, 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 that not necessarily the most exceptional firefighter, we'll say, or exceptional officer will say wouldn't necessarily be the most exceptional instructor or training officer uh, yes it can be can be but it doesn't mean well, that it can't right just because you are very very good at your job doesn't mean you are very very good at teaching others to help them then become good at their and, job and that's 
True, and that's why we talked about that superstar yes, athlete that's exactly. superstar firefighter aren't necessarily good at teaching. Yeah. But I have to tell you, you know, uh, I I had a lieutenant, uh, became a captain, became a chief by the name of Angelo Primus. And I and I I, I mentioned his name because he was he was exceptional. He was like five foot four, um, thin black man with an afro. He smoked cigarettes, and they gave him crap when he was a new firefighter because he was short, and they would do stupid stuff. You know, say, you know, put something up high to see if he can get it and all that stuff. But one day his captain, there was a spot on the truck at his station and the captain had to pick between him and another person. And usually it went to the most senior person. And they ran the two firefighters through all the skills and Angelo got the job. He got the job to be on the truck. He was the first guy, I guess, that was short or whatever that got to be on the truck. But he was one of the best I, I'm using that word. Yeah, <laughs> exceptional. Say exceptional. He, he was exceptional as an instructor. I, I, I had his picture up in my office when I was a deputy chief. I wanted everyone to know. They say, is that your father? I said, no, that's Chief Primus. And I'm here today because of him. He told me, know that MOU. Know the rules. Know the personnel rules. Know the administrative instructions, which are the city rules. Know this job, Iman. This job can kill you. And I took that to heart. Mm -hmm. One day when I was teaching at the academy, he came in, we, in, we invited all the chiefs to come in on a week. And he gets in front of the class and he says, there is no incident I can't manage. And I'm in the back like, what? <laughs> this dude is off the hook. What is he talking about? <laughs> There's no incident you can't manage. You're that bad. You're that bad of a duty. And he said it with a straight face. Says, there is no incident I can't manage. Hmm. And I'm a lieutenant at the time. So I'm just like, whoa. Tell us why. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell us why. But then I learned, but then I learned what he meant by that. He wasn't saying I'm the baddest dude, I'm the best dude out there or whatever. Yeah. He was saying there's no incident I can't manage. And in fact, with experience and time and wisdom and understanding of the incident management system or incident command system, if you know how to apply it, there is no incident that a captain, or excuse me, a lieutenant, a captain, or a chief officer cannot manage. Mm -hmm. You know, I, there are people, look at the fire that happened in LA, right? World Trade Center. Mm -hmm. Of course, the leadership was decapitated, but they still had to keep going. And that's why I always say, if there's anything to learn, learn ICS, because at any point, something can happen. And if the leader is decapitated, someone has to step up and step up to the mic, like my lieutenant said, and keep the ball rolling. Who's yeah. going to step up to the mic? Yeah. Who's going to manage the incident? So we should all be in a position where we can manage the incident. Who's the first to respond? to most incidents, Berlin, when, or, a, when a, a full company structure fire or whatever is the Who's the, normal? The engine the captain, right? Yeah, the captain, captain, correct? Yep, 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 absolutely, yep. So this idea that a lieutenant or a captain shouldn't know as much as a chief officer in terms of uh, exercising the instant command system, is they should know. Mm -hmm. And in fact, they should know it well enough to tee it properly up. Tee mm. it up. Tee it up. Or the chief, when the chief shows up, that the chief can just take the ball and roll with it instead of showing up at an incident and fixing things. Yeah. Because when a chief has to show up on a scene and fix things, that's unsafe for the firefighters. It's unsafe for the people who might be in the building. It's unsafe for the community that are adjacent yeah. to the incident. Yeah. So all of us need to know our jobs.
you mentioned uh, step up, and I love that. You and I have talked about that in the past, about being ready to step up, even though you may not be ready, right? Because you never know what might happen today, tomorrow, right? It might not be right. when you thought you had to step up. Can you talk about that in terms of, uh, you know, being a leader in in, a, in your position? It could be a firefighter, an engineer, it could be a lieutenant, it could be anybody, right? Talk about stepping up as a leader and being ready. Well, it takes time, right? Yeah. Doesn't it take time? It takes time and training, right? That's when we get trust and cohesion, when we work together over a period of time. Uh, it takes time. You don't get it right away. I had an idiot, and I mentioned this, an idiot. I had an idiot. I'm retired now. I'm in my yard. And somebody in the family comes through, <laughs> and I call him an idiot because he is. And he goes, uh, so, Iman, uh, so did they make you a chief when you first got there? So you just got became a chief when you first got there? And I looked at him, like, so you actually fought fire? I said, no, 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 man. They just saw how brilliant I was at 18 years old and said, you, you, <laughs> <laughs> you, you are, you are, are what we have been looking for. Come over here. <laughs> it's ridiculous, right? Oh, yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. Like, no, man, it takes time. So, I mean, it really is about sets and reps. And I think some of the best commanders are people who teach, who are always training, who are always exercising their skill set, and who are also teaching other people how to do it. I think mm -hmm. that Chief Primus, Angela Primus, was so exceptional because he was always teaching us. Mm -hmm. He was teaching us all the time. Everybody went to him to prepare for their promotional exam. Yeah. If he would if he would if he would invite them or you know go yeah okay I'll help you or whatever everybody people were sneaking over to his office you can see him scurrying across the apparatus floor guys that don't ever want to show that they need help with anything because they're walking out with their chest out all the time where hey where are you going huh <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm just I'm just going. Well, I'm just going over to the chief's office oh how are you going to the chief's office huh okay. <laughs> so, I just think that when you give back, you get better. When you give back, you get better. And you mm. get a better understanding how many different people learn, right? Yeah. Because everyone learns. Something. I love that. When I was a battalion chief and we would have a battalion drill, I would tell my battalion training officers, like, this is a skill that we don't exercise a lot because we don't get called on a lot. Like, you know, low angle rescue, high angle rescue, whatever it happens to be, four-way valve, whatever it is. I would always say this. I go, look, don't bring everyone out there and just say, okay, we're going to run through this. Mm. No, walk through it. Yeah, Walk through it slowly because that everyone hasn't touched everything in a long time. Agreed. That's a fact, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. That's, 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 that's the truth. And so if we're going to train and we're going to want people to be open to training and also being vulnerable to making mistakes, let's walk through it first mm. so that we don't we don't crush any egos or anything like that. Want to make sure, just say it straight up. Look, I know everyone hasn't touched this. This is the monitor, or this is the uh, turret gun on top of it, the deluge gun. We're going to, this thing actually detaches. <laughs> it detaches. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Oh my God. Well, when you detach it, what are you hooking up to? Well, we got this little thing in this compartment over here that we has legs and we stick it out and we take this little hammer, we smack it in, we put this thing on top, we put the pin in, we lock it, make sure it's secure. And then we secure it, and I just want to let you know that it's adjustable gallonage. What is adjustable gallonage? Well, it starts off at 500, <laughs> and it ends at 
<laughs> yeah. 500, 750, 1250. And, you know, you have to run through that with people because they don't touch everything all the yeah. time. You know, yeah. they're looking yeah. pretty in their uniforms and they're concerned about lunch and dinner. Oh, yeah. They haven't touched anything on the rig, yeah. some of the things on the rig in a long time. So we have yeah. to work slow with them. So the best leaders, <laughs> so I'll sum that up a little bit. So the, so the best leaders are the best teachers. Yes. There are no absolutes. No absolutes. Sorry, but no absolutes. I would say this. I would say this, that I've always enjoyed working for uh, leaders that taught. There you go. And I think there you everyone go. enjoys working for leaders that can that, teach. Including our parents. Yes. That teach you. Yes. Right? That's and what I, I meant. I don't, yell, I don't yell at the kids in my family. I pull them to the side. Let me talk to you for a second, you know? And I wasn't, yeah, not an absolute, but a good, let's just say a good characteristic of a strong leader includes being a good teacher. How about that? Yeah, I think the, the, one of the characteristics, I think another characteristic of being a good leader is being a visionary. Visionary. Having a vision. Oh, Absolutely. okay. Elaborate, elaborate. Where, where are you? If you're the leader, you have to have vision. Where are you taking us? Yeah. And not fancy stuff, just saying things to say things. Like, where are you taking us? Have you assessed? The organization that you're leading, if you didn't come up in it, if you didn't grow up in it, but have you properly assessed the organization and then applied your plan to it? Now, I know I've told you before, you don't ever tell anyone everything as a leader. Don't tell them, well, I want to do this and I want to do that and I want to do this because they're going to try to kill it the moment you say it. Mm -hmm. I believe that we can sail across this ocean. Because I think there India is on the other side. <laughs> you can't do that. Yeah, right. You're gonna fall off the earth. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. fall like all the flat earthers, right? Yep. And so, what I've always said: titrate to effect. You might know the ultimate goal of where you're trying to lead your organization, but don't mm -hmm. tell everybody the ultimate goal. Just put the steps in place to get to. Ah, uh, I actually, love that steps. And actually, steps. Just put the steps in place to get to the goal. We just yeah. want to make sure we're safer. We'll make sure we're better, more efficient, that we provide a better service to the community. How we get there is your plan and yeah. your chief's plan. Love that. Done. But if you try to give it all to them, they're going to go through it and go, well, you can't do that. Yeah. You can't do that. We've never done that. We've always done it this way. Yeah. You can't <laughs> do that. And, and I'm here to tell you right now to all the people who are listening to us, they can do that. Yeah. Because the fire service has changed from the time that I started in 1987. And I'm learning things each time I go out there with Chief Castro or whatever, and yeah. we're teaching, I'm learning things, new things that have come up. Yeah. Because I'm not immersed in it like I was when I was on the job. I'm looking for hiking trails to go to and yes. chill with. Heck yeah. For the next Unless, of course, I'm coaching, coaching yeah, people like yourself. Yes. And that's they got, yeah, I think I got the job for you. No, but I love that. Those, those steps, focus on that step, that one step or two steps. Um, I'll try to affect man. Right? Meter it out. Meter yeah. it out. Yeah. If you and think it, of any leader, you think of any leader, president, prime minister, whatever, especially president, governors, you know, they're always talking about what they're gonna do. We're gonna do this, it's gonna be great, it's gonna be great. Uh, and there's always an opposition that says, No, it's not. Yeah, there's You're bullshit. Gonna, that ain't happening. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna stop you. So <laughs> the same thing happens in the fire department. Oh, you're going to put a truck here? Oh, you're not putting a truck here. This is an engine company. Oh, you want to put another engine company? You're going to put an ambulance in here? You're going to bring nurses in here? Oh, we're not. We're, we're, no, oh, we're going to stop that. Why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and look where we're at, right? Look where we are. We're there, aren't we? It, it happened. Yes. <laughs> All those things, everything I mentioned exists. 
Yes. If you look at a different departments, yeah. all those things exist. Some uh, fire departments have clinics. I love that. Where there's nurses and doctors there to serve the community. Right next door to the firehouse, we have paramedics. We have transporting uh, vehicles. We have yeah. truck companies. We have rescue companies instead of truck companies. Because we realize we don't need rescue. We don't need truck companies for every community because we don't have high rise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> We're running around with, with a bucket. Yeah. We don't even have a four-story building. <laughs> what are you raising it up to? Well, we just got to have it. We're doing it for the ISO. I got an idea. Why don't we? Why don't we? Why don't we purchase a rescue and load it up with truck stuff, even ladders? Doesn't look as cool though. Doesn't look as cool. It doesn't bend in the middle. You know what I mean? Those tillers. You know. Well, I got to tell you, um, I'm a believer in. Um, I'm a firm believer in having a reasonable tax, receiving, paying reasonable tax for exceptional service. Agreed. No one wants to pay high taxes for mediocre service. So if I got a truck company in my in my city and I and I'm in a rural community, mm-hmm. <laughs> <with> no <laughs> I'd be a high tree up there though, like really tall, long, tall trees. You know, eighty. What feet am up. I doing? What am I doing paying for a million dollar piece of apparatus when I could have got a rescue rig loaded up with all the yeah. equipment, make sure I yeah. train them. And I gotta get a, I could have got another rig. Yeah. Two you know, maybe another engine, two for one. You know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> Excuse me about this. So this happens everywhere. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hey, there's there's one thing I've always I, I I one thing I've realized, and this is the funniest thing, you know, because I coach people all over the country and you know, I always say it's crazy, right? I said, it's crazy. You and I have never fought fire together. We've never broken bread together. But yet I can tell you what's going yes. on in your department. That's what you told me. The culture is deep, baby. It yeah. is deep and wide. The roots are deep and wide. Yeah. It's, 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 firefighters are telling you the same. Yes. As, as a friend says, a different place, same clowns or something. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> yes. True. All right, Chief. My favorite part. Yes, sir. The answer or the answers are in the streets. Yeah. Oh, that's uh that seems a little deep there. We talk about deep roots, we talk about lots unpacking that. Okay, so meaning what? What meaning what? Let's let's go there. I'll tell you what it means. Again, remember, <laughs> I'll tell you what it means. <laughs> <laughs> we, we gotta remember, uh, you know, we all came up. From the beginning, right? I started at the bottom, now I'm here. Yeah, Give you a little yep. drink, right? Okay. Started at the bottom, now I'm here. We all worked in the streets. And when we're in the stations, we saw the brilliance of these firefighters and how they made modifications to different things in the firehouse to make it more effective, mm-hmm. make it more efficient. So if I'm the big brain now, because I'm the chief, I'm the oracle now, I'm brilliant because I'm the chief. Everything I say is brilliant. You guys know it. You better listen to me, right? And so, but so you're putting your policy out for the members to to do, right? And they try to put it in effect and they go, this doesn't work. And they make modifications to it, right? And change it and make it better. And I'm, what I'm saying is that the answers are in the street. So yeah. I had a couple of leaders that kept telling us to do things one way. Here's one. So everything used to be paper intensive, right? Paper for everything. We didn't have computers. We didn't have applications and everything, right? Yeah, yeah. And so telestaff, so we get telestaff. And part of the policy was not only are we going to use telestaff, but we're going to continue 
to use this paper program too. Mm. We're going to mm. be redundant because it could go down. It could go down. <laughs> <laughs> Backup plan. Backup plan. Right. Right. So, right. Exactly. And I get it. We should be able to do things the yes. old way. I've, I'm a firm believer in the fundamentals and things like that. And, you know, when our ticks die, we shouldn't go, oh, my God, my tick is down. Yeah, I can't yeah, do anything. Yeah, yeah. You still have the back of your hand to check. You still have your ears to listen for hissing, things like that. Answers in the street. Firefighters are brilliant. They really are. And, yeah. and I'll tell you, I don't I don't like the knock firefighters because some of the best human beings I've ever met have been firefighters. Yeah. Some of the best people I've ever met in my life yeah, have been firefighters and have supported me and loved on me and taught me and made me the man, part of the man that I am today. So I'm very grateful for all of those people. But you learn a lot of things about how they do, like even the paramedics, the little modifications that they make in the back of the ambulance that they teach us that wasn't taught in school. The answers are in the streets. So if you're a leader and you're mm. not listening to the streets, mm. if you're not listening to the people in the station, you're not listening to your chiefs, the company officers, the firefighters are telling the company officers, right? Because they say, use a chain of command. And the company officer is telling the battalion chief, and the battalion chief is telling the deputy chief or assistant chief, and they aren't telling the fire chief. It just stops. You lose the people out in the streets because they're telling you the policy that you have implemented is not working the way that you want it. But yeah. we have done, we have done some research and development, our little crude research and development. Yeah, And we've come up with something that you may want to look at. But if yeah. you aren't willing to listen because they're on the street level and you're up in headquarters, then you're missing the mark. You're missing the mark. So obviously you mentioned streets and headquarters. You've, you've sat on both sides, right? You've, uh, you've worked on both sides yeah. for many, many years. Obviously yeah. you've had crews that came to you with, uh, yeah. with their solutions and their answers, if you will. I'm sure there was times where Sorry, and I, if I'm assuming, I, I do apologize. There was times where maybe you uh, that you listened, yes. Maybe times where you didn't listen. What 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 dictated? Well, I always listen. I always listen. I oh, may good not point. implement it, right? Uh, just yeah, because there you go. we don't implement something doesn't mean we aren't listening. Uh, good point. Thank but you. But just man. acknowledging that the answers in the street. That just because someone is a firefighter doesn't mean they're dumb because you're cheap. We have different responsibilities. That's it, right? Yeah. You hope that your chief can be a firefighter tomorrow. You hope that your chief still has a skill set to be a firefighter tomorrow. Like I, I've always said, look, man, I want the sheriff to be a cop. I understand that the sheriff is a politician, but I want to have a sense of understanding that the sheriff is a cop. Mm. That the sheriff can get down if necessary. <laughs> Let's get down. <laughs> I, I, yeah, listen. I don't want the sheriff pulling up at Uvalde Elementary School and go, oh, like <laughs> Let me, okay. I don't know what to do. And, yeah. and, and he's like, oh, damn, he went after Uvalde. That was an example of straight up incompetence. And yet yeah. the boss wasn't a real cop. <laughs> I want Love the it. fire chief to be a firefighter. They don't have yeah. to be the best yeah. skillful firefighter. Yeah. But if they're smart and they're listening to the streets, not necessarily taking order to dwell, the tail does not wag the dog. I'll let you yeah. know that right now. But listen so that you can refine some things and make it better. Love it. Listen, it goes both ways. It goes both Who ways. You? you can't be vulnerable enough to go to your firefighters and go, hey man, I don't know everything. I wasn't on a truck. I didn't work on this. I didn't, I wasn't a paramedic. I didn't work at fire in the fire prevention bureau. You know, 
You can't go to the fire marshal and the fire inspectors and say, hey, this is not something that I did. Let me know what I need to know. Mm. They got the answers. You want to know yeah. why they got the answers? Because the inspectors work in the streets. They're in the streets. <laughs> oh, thank you. That is, uh, that's powerful. That's amazing. I love that. And these are just things that I've learned along the way, you know, yeah. because when you get, you get the Heisman, you know, you get checked yeah. by a boss. They don't want to hear from you. <laughs> and you're like, hey, man, uh, there's a lot of brilliant stuff going on out here in the stations and you aren't talking to us because yeah. you know, I'm so busy. I don't want to talk to you right now. Yeah. Are you really that busy? Yeah. Are you? <laughs> oh. Oh, so communication is key. Yeah. Communication two ways, yeah. always. Well, so we talk about Nosh 5, right? Oh, yeah. So we know that Nosh 5 has to do with, uh, you know, the commonalities of how firefighters get injured and, and how how they die, right? The yes. five things that usually are tied to it. Well, it also is, uh, if you look at it, it also, if you don't adhere to it, you can have a hostile work environment and a station, right? Yep. The captain or the chief hasn't picked up on the risk of having a conversation that shouldn't occur in the firehouse, hasn't communicated their expectations, hasn't taken command, hasn't held anyone accountable, mm -hmm. hasn't followed the policy or SOP, you're going to have a situation. Yeah. So communication goes both ways. Yes. And so you can have a breakdown even in the NASH 5 because you're not listening. Communication also is listening and talking. I mean, because the, the show, what this is about, Chief, is um, – is how can we be stronger leaders, right? So obviously through your message is it's really hitting home, at least for me, is is um what what do we need to start doing to become stronger and better leaders? And I think that's exactly what you're saying here, especially on this last piece, right? Communicate, listen. You know, one of the things that's so uh, entry-level firefighters when they're going, I say, man, be vulnerable. Be speak vulnerable. Command clarity. Speak you with command, clarity, and common sense. Be vulnerable. Leaders should be vulnerable. People will not follow you if you don't let them know who you are if mm. you're not vulnerable if you don't say hey i had that problem too oh yeah that happened to me as well oh yeah you're not oh nothing i'm perfect and i only deal with perfect people and everyone around me is exceptional they're the best we're per yeah, no one's believing that no one's <laughs> believing that so be vulnerable but be speak with command clarity and common sense and what does that mean command clarity you know know your craft Right. You can only have command if you know your craft. Clarity is just, you know, don't go using words that no one understands. Speak to your audience. Yeah. Be clear. If I'm speaking to five-year-olds and they say, well, what do you like about being a firefighter? You say, I love going code three. <laughs> well, what, is that cooler <laughs> than code one? <laughs> what does that mean to a five-year-old, right? Yeah. Yeah, I love driving with lights and siren. I love helping people, blah, blah, blah. So that's clarity, common sense. Just make it logical. Yeah. You know, you're sitting up here looking at you the thesaurus before your interview because you want to impress these people. You don't even know what the word means. Throwing out all these big words. And <laughs> well, as I peruse the document, <laughs> I came across. <laughs> you know, <laughs> trying to act like you're, you know, someone really, really brilliant. <laughs> you know, just keep it simple, man. Keep it simple. Keep it, keep it simple. real. Keep it real. Keep it simple. Um, we'll, we'll skip non-negotiables because I know we we talked a little bit about that. No, I want to say I just want to say this real quick. Non-negotiables for me, yeah, are treating residents, uh, treating the residents disrespectfully is a non-negotiable, and dishonoring the fire service through fraud or lewd behavior is a non-negotiable. 
In fact, I would say to you, don't ever pass on a non-negotiables because people need to know if you're acting out of, if you're dishonoring the service, you shouldn't be here. If you're committing fraud, if you're uh, behaving in a lewd way in public that's dishonorable to the fire service, you should not be here. If you're treating residents like crap and it's, and, and it's clearly documented, you are in the wrong business. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm ready to go to the hot topic. Go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. So the hot topic. So um, a hot, co- yeah, hot coffee time hot topic is where we like to unpack something that may be, con- <laughs> yeah. may, may, may be controversial, right? So controversial is uh, obviously subjective. What's controversial to one may not may not be such for, for another. But uh, inclusivity, I love it. Like diversity, right. right? Inclusion, those are important aspects of of human life and uh, especially organizations and fire service being no different. Yes. So when you talk about finding qualified firefighters in all demographics and being inclusive, right? can you talk about, right. first of all, the importance of that and, and, and the why, like you hear this a lot, chief, I'm sure you have is we just, and here's here I go with the best. We just want the yeah. best firefighters working here. I don't care what they look like. I don't care where they come from. We just want the best. And I don't think, yeah. in my personal opinion, I don't think that's an inaccurate answer. I think it's an incomplete answer, right? I think when we're talking what's about the, the best, what's that? What's the other part? The, 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 the other part is... It's an incomplete answer. What's the other part of that? Wait, wait, sorry, say that one more time. So if it's an incomplete answer, oh, yes. what, so makes the, it more... what makes it more complete is is when you... Are trying to find your opinion. Yes, in my opinion, of course. When we're looking for the quote unquote best, we are looking for all the above of what maybe an individual is saying is next to best, but it's also and, right? right? It's it's that yes and. And uh, if you know, if you if you kind if you kind of know where I'm going with this is is sometimes we we'll look for an individual that let's just call it what it is. Hey, one of the most important aspects is you know I need to make sure that uh, I need to pull you out of a burning building. Like, yes, that is, that is an important quality. So now let's talk about statistics. How many times did a solo firefighter have to pull out another firefighter solo by themselves? We talk about the Rick. We talked about NIOSH 5. You know, we talk about the Rick. You know, uh, you, how many firefighters does it take to rescue somebody? You know, and the text says, you know, anywhere between 8 and 22 or whatever the number is. But my point is this is, yes, it is important to be able to be fit and in shape and to be able to pull someone out of a burning building. If so, I don't believe that is the number one and the, 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 the deciding factor that is just in addition to. So when I said, yes, and I believe in inclusion, I believe in diversity. I believe having a diverse workforce makes you a stronger workforce for many reasons. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about, you know, finding when you, with the topic that we're going to talk about is finding qualified firefighters in all demographics and being inclusive. Why is that important in your eyes, chief? And uh, why is that not necessarily important in some others' eyes. Well, first of all, we may have different opinions. I, I, I you're right. It's very rare that a firefighter will pull another firefighter, or a firefighter will pull a fire victim out of a fire by themselves. And let's hope they shouldn't. Don't have to. Yes, right? of course, of course. If you've ever done it, it's very difficult. It's very difficult. Of course. And so you do you do need help. And you might get them to the threshold, but I bet if you get them to the threshold, you're already pooped and you're going to need somebody to assist you to get them to the street. Um, but be, being inclusive or supporting diversity, equity, and inclusion or having a more diverse workforce has nothing to do with saying that 
those those persons who may be different than the majority group are less incompetent or less competent. Right. That's a ridiculous notion. Agreed. That's a ridiculous notion. But yeah, I want the best. And I want the best. I want the people who want to do this job and are serious about doing this job and who are serious about keeping themselves healthy and staying fit and learning the job and teaching the job. I do want the best out there. I think every community wants to think that their firefighters are the best. Yeah. Not everyone is to be a firefighter. We don't need to windle dress the fire service. You can find qualified people in every demographic. Mm -hmm. I'm certain I've seen it. Some of the best firefighters I work with are not males. Exceptional firefighters that I would choose them to work with me over some of the people who flow, who have the athletic prowess, right? Right. And actually, some of them have their athletic prowess. Yes. I, 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 I don't. I don't think we should fill the coffers to fill the coffers with people just to say we got one. Mm -hmm. What the hell is that? It's insulting. Yeah. yeah. You know, let's pick some people who want to do this job first of all, who have an interest in serving people. Really, work come to work with a servant's heart, who are interested in learning the craft and teaching the craft and getting out there and demonstrating to the people that have chosen them, which is the community that they are worthy of being there. Yeah. This is not, this is not Amazon where we go to a fulfillment center and you can just pick anybody. This is different. Yes. The military, you know, maybe the military can bring people in and get them to, but not everyone makes it through the military. Not everyone makes it through the police department. Not everyone makes it through their career in public safety, because at some point we learned they don't have what it takes anymore to do this job. They're, they're, they're actually a negative for this job. There are people, and I know where you're going, that believe that only uh, a certain type, a certain group of people do this job better. Listen, I can take you to a lot of fire departments that I have visited, and you out, and you will find some exceptional people. But we get into politics, and politicians want to see things because it makes them feel good about. Look at us. We <laughs> look what we have. Yeah. We got the first this and the first that. And okay, that's great. But are you competent? That's mm -hmm. the most important thing. I've been called a lot of things in my career, negative things, things I've seen, things I've heard people say, things that people have told me. <laughs> and I never get caught up in I never get caught up in the compliments nor mm -hmm. the negative statements. I'm a sweet spot guy. I got a goal, yep. right? Yeah. And my thing is, you know, just keep pushing forward. Just keep pushing forward and find good people and keep teaching them. They're all out there. You just got to look for them. But here's the deal. If you're in a rural fire department and majority of your community is 90% looks like you, I don't see no reason why you shouldn't look to hire people who don't look like those people. But they should be able to relate to those people and they should be have the same value system, you, at least you hope, the same value system of the people that they're working with and the people that they're serving. Yeah. Thank you. You should hope. Or even better. So, uh, you know, yes, those things are going to be said, Berlin. Yeah. But here's the deal. You know, like I said, I've always asked these people when they said crazy things about me, I always ask them, did they say I was incompetent? Right. No, no, chief. And said that I said, OK, good, because that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to demonstrate my competency. Mm -hmm. All that other stuff doesn't matter. Yeah. It's all noise. To me. Noise. Look, I hope 
the people who have joined the fire service had friends before they arrived here. Because if you if you stake your claim on all the people that you meet on the job as your friends, you're going to be disappointed. I hope that you have some friends that you've met in elementary school, middle school, high school that you still kick it with. And you're real close. Mm-hmm. And even they might call your, your kids, call you uncle or whatever. I hope you're that close. But you also are going to find some remarkable people on this job that you will befriend and also have those same relationships with. Yeah. The key is the key is competency. Everything is about being competent and being professional. I tell people every, everyone I coach, I don't care what your religion is. I don't care what your politics is. I don't even care if you don't like if you don't like what you see. That you don't I don't care. When you show up to work, like I don't care if you on your days off you're uh, you're into politics and you're you donate to a certain group or you go to uh, rallies or whatever it is that you do. Bless you. I'm glad you're involved in the process. But when you show up for work, no matter what you believe, be a professional, be a firefighter, because that's what we expect from you. And then you go home and kick the dog and do everything and yell at the TV and all the other things you like to do. But when you show up for work, be professional. I had a captain, wonderful man. And a lot of people didn't like working with him because he was a lot very strict. And he told me this one thing one time. He says, look, man, he says, Iman, I was chief at the time. He was a captain. He says, chief. And he was my captain when I was lieutenant. I was a, a lieutenant at his station when he was mm. captain. So now the chief is a captain. He's still he's still giving me knowledge. And he goes, he he goes, chief. He says, you know, I said I said to him, I go, you know, I've been watching you, Cap. I, I, I've seen what happened when you lost your son, and how you come back to work and just be an awesome human being. You you don't walk around, you know, pity party. You're still professional. You treat people with respect. I said, what? How? How do you do? He goes, Iman, you know, listen, first of all, he was a man. He believed in, uh, he was a practicing Christian. He says, if you believe, you got to act like you believe. And then he said, if you can't be friends, always be professional. Mm. Always be professional. Listen, if you're not, if you, if you're so unprofessional, you're going to lose your money. Yeah. (laughs) And I had a, I had a peer uh, he was a chief officer and he goes, man, I just asked these guys, how do they want to lose their money, man? Is that how you want to lose your money? Yes. That's what you want to do? <laughs> See, sometimes you just got to talk straight up to people, yeah. man. You just yeah. go, hey, how do you want to lose your money? Because you're yeah. going to lose your money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you for that. And then, then your bride or your partner is going to be wondering why the check is smaller than it was last week. Or why are you home? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. uh, I, I made a decision and I lost my money. <laughs> <laughs> I made a decision. Thank you for that. So be professional is what I heard. Be professional, be a servant leader with a servant's heart, be a good teacher. That's all. That's, that's, that's great stuff. Have a Thank vision, you. teach. Yes. Yeah. Be okay. vulnerable. Be vulnerable. There you go. So this may not be any different chief, but let's, let's just jump to it anyway. So this is rapid fire. This is a uh, co- uh, top off yep. your coffee real quick, everybody. Um, this is quick. This is 60 seconds or less. Just speak to certain groups of individuals in the fire service that are listening, that are tuning in today something that they could do right now to have a more of a servant's heart, to be more professional, to continue to be good teachers, to be vulnerable, all the above. So the first group is newer firefighters, right? Speak to recruits, speak to probationary firefighters, okay. speak to someone newer that's new. Yes. All right. Newer firefighters out there. Hello. Uh, first of all, remember that the teaching begins in the beginning. 
It begins at the in the academy. If you're doing well and your classmate isn't doing well, help them out. Also, when you are a probationary firefighter and that new probationary firefighter shows up, take them in, show them the rigs, show them the tools, teach them what you've learned. Be competent, be professional, right? So, because when you do that, when you start off early and you're already serving as a firefighter, when you become a lieutenant, captain, or chief, you already have followership because you've always been helping. Mm -hmm. They already see you as a leader. It's not even something that they're like, oh, wow, you just had a food fight in the station yesterday, and today you're the chief. You know, <laughs> that doesn't work. No, this person has always been helpful. This person has always been a leader. This person has always been patient. I can go back to that loyalty thing. This person has always shown compassion and empathy and, and patience and with me, has always, mm -hmm. always been, always shown me respect. So that's what I would say to the new firefighters. Help your brother and sister learn the job. Be kind, be respectful, be professional. Got it. Thank you, Chief. Because competence oh, is everything. Got to be competent. Got to know what to do. Got to know how to do it. All right. Emerging leaders, Chief. So a newer company officer, maybe someone aspiring to be company officer, someone that's, you know, 5, 10, 12 years into the fire service. What's something that they can do right now to continue to become stronger leaders? First of all, uh, be patient with yourself. It takes time to get it. You know, I used to have people in the community ask me, when are you going to get that fire department together, chief? When are you gonna? And people would just ask me out of the blue, I'd be in the community, when are you gonna? I'd say, about 18 months, about 18 months, about 18 months. <laughs> On the dot, right? On the dot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, hold me to it. Yeah. <laughs> it might come, hey, if it, if, it, if it arrives sooner, then hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a bonus. <laughs> be patient with yourself. It will come together if you work at it. I, I said to newly promoted chief officers that I had in Richmond, I said, you know, this thing will flow for you. You Right now you feel overwhelmed. I felt overwhelmed when I was a new chief. I, I guarantee that you will feel overwhelmed when you become a captain. It's different than a lieutenant. I'm sure you were overwhelmed when you were a lieutenant. It takes time. It takes time to get your rhythm, to get your flow, but everything is a rhythm. And once you get your rhythm, you'll be fine. Mm, find that sure rhythm. Yeah, you gotta have you gotta have rhythm. Love that. Okay, so uh, you've just talked about chief officers. So offer a tip for chief officers or senior leaders in organizations, right? It could be chief officers. It doesn't have to be chief officers. Uh, but what's something that those groups of individuals could do to continue? Right? We want to talk about continuing to be strong leaders. They're doing it already, and I guarantee you, they were. They also were doing all the things I just said to the newer firefighters. Yep. With the same thing that I said to the new officers, you know, emerging officers, be patient with yourself. Uh, the bottom line is that be a positive leader, be a positive mentor, be a positive guide, tee your people up properly, make sure that they're properly uh, trained and set up to run the organization. You know, a lot of the part, people get upset when a chief comes from outside because somebody else, they thought that, you know, so-and-so was gonna get the job, they've been here the longest and they hired in the city or the jurisdiction hire someone from outside. But if we properly uh, train our people and, and and set them up to take the next gig, we can keep it in-house and we mm. can keep the culture aligned. Uh, but if your department, you know, I said this, you know, I heard this, like, oh, this department sucks and morale is bad and blah, 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 blah. And one day I went out there, I kept hearing it. I said, you want to know why? I said, I'll tell you why you think your department sucks. I'll tell you why. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> 
Tell you what, I said you're you're you think your department sucks because it wasn't teed up properly. Your department sucks because it wasn't set up for success. You guys got upset with the city. You didn't get the contract that you wanted. You decided, screw them. We're not going to do anything. And they forgot about you. Mm. How, you think you're going to shut down the city because you're mad you didn't get the pay you got? You remember you're there to serve. Right. If you treat the people well that you're serving in the community. Remember these people run for office? <laughs> yes. Remember these people know people? They know the people that are sitting on the council. They're sometimes they might be related. You don't know who knows whom. So you can't say screw East Side. You can't say screw LAFD. You can't say that. Because you'll be the one getting, yeah, you'll be the one getting the bad end of it. So we got to tee the organization up. That's succession planning. It takes time. It, it, it takes a lot of logistics. But you know, uh, I'll just say this. You know, everyone knows about Columbia and Southern University. Yeah. Uh, we brought them to our organization to help people get degrees. And what did people say? Oh, so you just don't want any, well, you're calling us dumb. We need to get educated. No, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you don't get your degree, you're going to continue to have chiefs that come from the outside. Mm. That's what I'm telling you. And now cities and jurisdictions are looking at people who have experience and don't have degrees and understand that they do know the job and they're hiring them also. And I think that's important because not right. everyone needs a degree to be successful Sure, because we've seen that. We have billionaires, billionaires yeah. that don't have degrees. Yes, and they create absolutely. a business, right? So I think FedEx, he quit school. Snyder quit school. They said, you, I think he failed his paper, but he's a billionaire today. So- I love how you say that though. Tee it up, tee it up for for others, tee it up for the for the you know the people just that like are following. I said for that lieutenant and right. Remember, just like I said for that lieutenant and captain, tee it up for the chief. So when the yeah. chief arrives, the yes. incident flows seamlessly. So chief officers who are in charge ensure that your people have the qualifications to one day lead the organization or other organizations. See, the key is that we we can't all be the boss here. Yeah, but there's many opportunities all over. You're in a position, if you prepared yourself, it's very possible if that's what you wish to be. You want to be a fire chief, you want to be a deputy fire chief, assistant chief or whatever, be prepared and you'll get the job. Yeah. If you're prepared. I have a quick question for you, Chief. You work for multiple yes, organizations. Um, you rise the ranks. Um, you, you, And I apologize, I don't uh, remember the exact sequence, but Sacramento or Sacramento, or no, Richmond, Sacramento. Well, well it's a very, it's very, uh, you want me to run it down? Yes, please. And there's a question behind it. That's the reason it's I asked. Oh, it's a lot of fire departments. Okay. Yeah. I, so Sac County was the fire department and Sac County was a smaller fire department before it became Sac County. So it was Sac County for 10 years. I never worked for Metro. I left before it became Metro. Oh, okay. Uh, that's what I reference because that's what it is now. Yes. And then I left, I left Sac County to become a firefighter in Oakland because I wanted a more traditional experience as a firefighter and the city of Oakland provided that. I'm very grateful to have been a firefighter there. I worked there for 17 years with some change. And then I was hired at Richmond to be the deputy fire chief. Okay. So thank you for that. And obviously phenomenal uh, history and resume. So you just got done talking about uh, organizations teeing it up to support and uh, prepare their incoming leaders. You left Oakland to go to Richmond. Yes. And you didn't, uh, and I apologize if I'm, I'm getting this incorrect, but uh, the reason for leaving 
You didn't stay at Oakland. Yeah. Meaning they did not tee it up for you, I guess is what I'm going where I'm going with that. Well, I wouldn't say they didn't tee it up for you. Okay. Okay. I was just curious, because right? Because you just got them talking about keeping it in-house, but you yourself left. Yeah, well, a lot of people leave. No, no, I know, I know. But I'm just wondering if it. it uh, no, 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 no. But here's the here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. So Oakland has had outside chiefs before. Sure. Maybe because we did. Maybe because at the time there was no one within the organization that the city wanted to hire to be fire chief. Right. Maybe the deputy chiefs had no interest in the position. Right. Right. That's very possible. Um. I didn't, I didn't leave because it wasn't Tito for me. The idea that I'm thinking that Oakland should be Tito for me specifically is crazy. I, sure. I don't think anything is Tito specifically for me. No, no, no. Sure, uh, sure. That's not that's not true at all. There are circumstances I'm that happen. In, okay. Let me just say this. There are yeah. circumstances that happened in my family at the time. I lost my okay. father mm-hmm. during a time that the deputy chief position had come up. I had applied for the position and I pulled my name. Got it. No, uh, yeah. I was heartbroken losing my father. And so I was not interested in going up to that position at that time. Sure. And so it's very possible that I had a, you know, he, I hadn't had that reaction to my father's death or he hadn't died or whatever, um, that I probably would have stayed. Yeah. But I, but let me just say this. Let me just say this. I was ready to get off the line. I needed to get off the line. I needed to get off the line and, and, and whatever capacity that I, you know, whether it be the training chief or work in fire prevention, I needed to get off the line. I needed, I was having issues at that time. Sure. I knew I was having, you know, you waking up in the middle of the night fighting or you're yelling in the middle of the night, something's wrong. And so I needed space Yeah, and I needed to, so the opportunity that I was given in Richmond, I'm very grateful for that opportunity. It allowed me to reset and recalibrate and actually use some of the things that I have been saying as a BC to use it as a deputy chief sure. in that organization. Yeah. Chief yeah. No, no but, thank you. Thank you. But, <laughs> however, however, I want to make it very clear that once I got to Richmond, my goal was looking for leaders within that organization. Yes. One day lead that organization and i think one day there will be a, a leader within that organization who will serve as a fire chief and i hope yeah. so because i think he's very yeah he's extremely no thank you thank you for sharing that chief and i i uh i didn't mean to poke and prod a little bit there and uh thank you for opening up a little bit but my point to the whole thing was just trying to find Brother, out listen i said be vulnerable right yes you did. Said be vulnerable. you did so you if did i'm not going to be vulnerable on the show then what, what am i i'm just talking then thank you lead by example right model behavior so thank you for that, uh, uh, the one last thing I want to say is that um, when we talk, when I talk about the oath and um, a sense of duty and fidelity to the craft, I think about the Fire Department of New York, and I think about I think about what they did on September eleventh, two thousand one. It was remarkable what they did. And uh, we should all strive to be that brave, to be that courageous, to be that committed. We should all strive we should all strive 
to be that good. Um, they saved 25,000 people. It's the largest rescue effort in the history of this country. And they lost 343 members that day. They've lost more since. When we uh, went out there to honor them and, and pay respect to them for all the memorials, and I'm saying we, many different fire departments, but Oakland Fire Department, because that's who I was with at the time. We went to many funerals and memorial services. and We never got into church, but there were so many firefighters. And so we stood out in the cold. So when they came up, the family saw us, saw the support that we had for them. There's a, I went to a, a memorial service in Queens, New York. And um, it was shared with all of us that the wife of this particular firefighter did not show up. And she didn't show up because her husband had not been found under rubble yet. And that was crushing for me. And they had a little laminated, laminated, um, you know, card of his bio. His name was Vernon Cherry. And um, presumably he sung well. And so he'd always sing the national anthem at all the city fire department events. And they lost him along with the others. And I took that and I, kept that card for that memorial program and I kept it in my cap in my class A uniform. When we went to the World Trade Center, I grabbed a piece of rubble that was on the ground and I placed it in my class A jacket. And it always, it always remained in my class A jacket. His picture remained in my cap, it's still in my cap because that was my compass as a leader. And I wanted to make sure, and I was a firefighter when we went there, I wanted to make sure that if I was ever in a leadership position, that that was my compass, that I always remember that there's real evil in this world, real evil in this world, real evil in this world. And that firefighters, and I realized at the time that I need to ensure that my firefighters understand that it's very possible that a response that you may be dispatched to an incident and not even know that the country is under attack. And so when I talk about fidelity and sense of duty and understanding your oath and what does it mean to you, well, if there's any question at all, just look at the fire department in New York because on that day, on that day in September, it demonstrated to the world, demonstrated to the world, how awesome the American fire service is and how committed we are to our craft. That's what I would say. Thank you, Chief. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, strive is, I, I took a lot of vulnerability, number one, but strive, I heard, remember to serve, serve well strive to serve well because uh those in new york did and that's what uh the public that's what the community expects and that's to be uh, the example and do you have it in you and talking to the firefighters out there are you training yourself and sharing your knowledge 
and being professional, are you are you at that level that you would go into a burning building with a fire above you, not knowing that the thing is gonna collapse on you? And I want you to know there was a chief officer that after the first one dropped, he knew we had firefighters in the second one. And he went over there and he died because he wanted to get his firefighters out. Um, there's a lot to learn from, a lot to learn good and bad from that incident, but um, God bless every single one of them. Yes. Every single one of them and their families because they demonstrated to all of us what it means, what it means, their sense of duty. They, yep. they demonstrated that day. Yes, they did. Thank you, Chief. Wow. All right. The leadership challenge. This is something that we do because uh, leadership. Okay. That's what that's what today's been all about. It's about leadership. It's about a message. It's about inspiration. It's about motivation. It's about getting people to to continue that that drive to to want to serve well, to be professional, to be vulnerable, to be good servants, to be good teachers, and all the above. So we continue that uh, by asking our guest for the day for of the day to. Um, help us continue this, the conversation by challenging a leader out there of the fire service or or other, um, someone that you believe, Chief, that can help us continue to grow as leaders to help with a message so we can resonate with that message as well, just like we will today with yours. Is there someone you'd like to challenge formally on the kitchen table to come speak on leadership? I got three. Can I tell you three people? <laughs> it's funny you say that. Chief Castro goes, well, I, I, I can I give you two? Is are you so like... You know what? You can give us a hundred, but yes, you can. Of course we you know can. we we know a lot of people. But <laughs> yes, you guys do. But I met people along the way. First of all, I just want to say Chief Garrett Contreras, who okay. is the fire chief of Hayward, is a visionary leader. He's a man of integrity. He's not a perfect person, but what he has done for that city and continues to do for that city and that community is remarkable. He awesome. is worthy of conversation. Uh, Assistant Chief Justin Moore in the Los Angeles Fire Department. He's a new training chief, new training chief there. And uh, he is also another person to speak Got it. with. Awesome. Uh, a very impressive firefighter. And um, and Aaron and uh, Deputy Chief Aaron Osario, who is um, the Deputy Chief, Deputy Fire Chief of the Richmond Fire Department. I think is just a remarkable young chief officer. I personally went to him and asked him to take the battalion chief's test. <laughs> and he looked at me and goes, why? You know, he kind of gave me that look like, why, why? <laughs> you know? And uh, I said, because you're a leader, man. I watch, I watch how everyone responds to you out here. You know, I've wow. never worked with him. I'm watching this dude. This dude showed up and all the firefighters, man, they 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 tightened up. Like yeah. I said, whoa, who's this dude? So Aaron Osario, who's the deputy chief of the Richmond Fire Department, I think one day he will be a chief either there or somewhere else. And he should be, and he's worthy of anyone who's looking for an awesome chief officer. He's the guy. Oh. That he's excellent Thank chief you. officer. Thank you, Chief. And it, it's because All of that. Right. And it's because of it's because of that. And it, I'll, I'll pause a minute just to kind of talk about. Can I throw uh, out one more? Of course you can. Of course you can. Just one more. Just one more. Just one more. Just one more. Please. please. Um, and uh, Zareda Diaz is the chief of Fremont. She worked for Oakland. Uh, she just became chief this year. She is also a remarkable leader. Um, 
so smart. So uh, she was an excellent firefighter. Uh, just excellent. I knew on our first fire as a lieutenant, because I told her, I said, look, everyone's listening on the radio and everyone's going to judge you based on your arrival report and what you do afterward. So mm -hmm. make it happen. Mm -hmm. And I was her chief that day, right? And she yeah. gets a fire, knocks it out of the park. And she, she'll probably tell you if you get the opportunity to interview, but she <laughs> tells right. me, she remembers, she remembers what I said to her after the fire. And uh, I said, you're on your way. Oh. I said, you are on your way. You're unstoppable. She's a fire chief right now and uh, absolutely wonderful human wow. being. Wow. So, well, if I may, well, if I may, it's uh, it's because of that, right, Chief? It's uh, it's because of the words, right? You, I'm, I'm certain, like you said, if we, if she comes onto the show and I ask her about this and well, she, she does. remembers a story, it's because of inspirational words by people like you, right, about our bosses, our superiors, our leaders that continue to motivate us, inspire us to do better and to do more. So, it goes right back to it. So thank you. And this is uh, Chief Con Contreras. Did I say that correctly? Yeah, Garrett Contreras. Contreras. So Garrett Contreras, Osario, Justin Moore, Zarea oh, Diaz. Got it. Chief Moore, Chief Osario, and Chief Diaz. So thank you, Chief. There's what I'll do. There's two Chief Moores in LA. There's two Chief Moores in LA. One's the Chief Deputy and one's the Assistant Chief of Training. So awesome. Hey. Also, you know. Jamie Moore is tight too. So. <laughs> well, well you, you, you know, you know how I can get the uh, the, the 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 correct contact information is. Uh, I know the guy that challenged, so I'll make sure to get the right one. So I, uh, I have the I have connects to all of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that that really is. So people ask me, Chief, and I'll I'll just I'll, I'll get your thoughts on this before we close. Is people ask me like like how do you get so and so to be on the show? And it's like how did you get that person, or how did you even find that person, or you know how how and why. And I, my answer is this is, well, number one is what's the worst that's going to happen, right? If I reach out to chief so-and-so, <laughs> right? Wait until after this is published. But right, I'll get shut down. No, it's uh, it's like, uh, you can say no, or you can ignore my email, right? You can say no, or you can ignore my email. At the end of the day, my day still goes about, right? Like, so what, what's the, what's the risk of just asking a leader to come onto the show and share a message? So my point is this, I had a uh, chief Frank Viscuso on the show, which I'm sure, you know, uh, months and months ago. And he gives me a list of like 15 people, 20 people. See, and he, I'm telling you. Well, well, no. And so, yes. And so the thing is, it, it, it's really inspirational as we talk leadership today in close is he says these words. And I, I, I truly believe it. He says, you'll get every single one of them to say yes. And it's like, if you're a true leader, right? What leader would say no? And it's the way I look at it, right? I think I believe a leader's job in any capacity, in any industry, in any profession is to continue to lead. And what and in whatever capacity that is. So when I lead, when I when I asked you to be on the show, Chief, back months ago, when we after we you know worked together, you said, "Yeah, hey, I'll consider it. I'll consider it." And then uh, I, I did I didn't, say that. I said I'd consider it, didn't I? I? You did, and I didn't reach out to you again about it. And we, you know what you said? You said, "I'll I'll do the show," right? And That's so right. so I thank you for that. It. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, I thought about it, and so you you said some you you know you you make some real tough statements there berlin Mazda. do i, do I need you'll, you'll uh, let me know which ones i need to edit out right all of it oh because you're like a, a leader a leader will a leader would do that leader a leader wouldn't do that no no a leader would tell you no they, they could <laughs> they absolutely could yes no, they but, they, but but there's there's many reasons why a person might tell you no right so we don't yes. want to discount the one who decides not to of course decides to do the job because it could of be course. a whole system some people absolutely 
even though they're at the top, they don't want yes. to talk, right? Yeah, yes. I don't want to say something on here that might affect me later. I might run for public office one day. Right. I don't right. want to public this. Remember when you said you're a bullshitter? No. <laughs> but, <laughs> they're always hey, listening. Here's the, deal. here's the deal. When you contact those people, you tell them that I challenge them and they will either say yes or no, but I yes. think they have a lot to talk about Absolutely. in the organization. And, you know, there's some things that you're going to allow me to talk about to end this off. Like, you know, so I want to talk about those things, too. Yes. So let's let's go there. If I, um, if I don't, my boss is going to fire me. That's, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I know where this is going. And I know how we ended up here now that you said no. <laughs> no, but uh, rightfully so. Yeah. So um, so we end the show. Uh, first of all, uh, thank you so much, Chief Usher, for, for coming on to the show. Like, I resonate heavily with your message and your, your, your teaching style, right. We get to joke around and, you know, be human beings when we talk, right. It's, it's, this is, this is real. And that's how we get authenticity is huge, right. Vulnerability and authenticity is huge, but uh, I will ask, uh, you know, how do we find chief Iman Usher, right? You you're out there, you're helping people, you're retired, but you continue to consult and help you and your team at uh, trainingfirefighters.com. Obviously you chief Castro's we've had Brett Loomis on the show, uh, but tell us, how do we find Iman Usher? Maybe you're coming up to Pacific Northwest sometime. I know you and I talked about maybe coming up here and teaching. But first of all, are you guys planning on coming up here? Uh, if so, when? If not, how else do we find you? Well, I can't tell you when, uh, but we're definitely coming back uh, because we always have a great time. Great, awesome. great student firefighters in the Northwest and yes, Washington. I think and, so. And really, all the places that we've gone, great great people everywhere texas uh oklahoma miami oh. los angeles yes you know so and of course in california sacramento so i'll tell you so yeah you could fire me uh i work for firefighter inspiration uh readiness and education which is firefighters.com which chief anthony castro's created about 30 years ago to help entry-level firefighters perform well uh, on the entry level exam. When he became a company officer, he adjusted his uh, his profile to include uh, strategy and tactics. And so we're gonna be hitting the road in 2024. Uh, we're gonna take the coaching that you was provided one-on-one with you and me. We're gonna take that on a road and, and fill up a room full of uh, eager, ambitious new leaders to assist them in the preparation for promotional assessments. And we're going to be in El Dorado Hills the week of January 29th, 2024. Hmm. So if you're listening now and you have collected your aluminum cans and cardboard and you got a little money on the side, uh, shake those coins loose uh, and get some time and come and see us because we're excited about uh, sharing the program with anyone who is interested in being a leader and really peeling back that onion on why you are ready to be a leader. So yes. we're going to peel the onion on. Yes, so, you will. Yes, you will. <laughs> so, the of this, so the purpose of this is uh, Chief Castro's is going to he's basically this is a training opportunity for me because what he wants is for me and some other uh, chief officers to take it on ourselves and get out there. So we're going to watch how the pro does it. I just, you know, I have so much respect for him. He's taught me so much uh, in the time that I worked with him since 2020. And uh, I, I very much enjoy working with him. Uh, yeah, it's a it's it's a privilege. It's an honor for me to serve. Yeah, with him in this yeah. case. So um, that's what we're doing, and then we'll take it on the road and and see what happens. And yeah, 
see uh, see who's out there and see how many people we can inspire, see how many people we can get ready yes. to be a fire. Yes. No, thank you for that. And uh, I, I will publicly say here as well is I worked with Chief Cash when it was the first time. It was years ago. And he, you know, was uh, he came onto the show, as you know, earlier in the year. He was one of our early, one of our early, uh, you know, leadership speakers on this show. And uh, he continues to spread his his knowledge um, out and about. And uh, you and I have worked together um, and I appreciate our time together, the friendship that we've built. And uh, that, like you mentioned, like I'm, I'm talking to all the listeners here today is just to learn and to absorb information uh, from, from those you may be outside your organization, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm truly thankful for, uh, for you chief for the work that you do out there on the road, but also um, you helping me become a better person and a uh, company officer myself. So thank you for that. So Berlin Mazda, uh, thank you very much for inviting me to be uh, a guest on your program. I've enjoyed the questions that you ask. It has taught me some things especially be safe, be, intenti be intentional, and be curious. I look forward to an opportunity of uh, engaging with you, perhaps in this medium or another in the future. And I know that you will do well in your new position, as well as in uh, your fire district. And no matter where you go, you're going to be committed. So I appreciate you very much for allowing me this opportunity. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Chief. Before we close officially on this December day of the kitchen table, lasting leadership thoughts from Chief Iman Usher. Uh, to just keep representing everyone out there, just keep representing the fire service. It's a, like I said, it's a noble profession. It's worthy of the good people who are out there that are making it better, that are making people's lives better out there. And I'm grateful that all of you brave, courageous souls are out there doing it. So remember, I'm on the other side now. And when I see you guys in the engines and trucks, I just always, you know, I'm always thinking about you, send a blessing to you, and I want to make sure you get home to your families. Yes. Thank you, Chief. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in today to The Kitchen Table. We truly hope you found this time valuable, and we hope that we've inspired you to take action, to lead, and to spread the leadership conversation. Until next time, be safe, be intentional, and stay curious.